0: Welcome to Hope for the Heart. This is William Rogers bringing the message today out of the book of Revelation as we continue to take a verse-by-verse journey through this wonderful book. We are today in chapter 11, and I'm going to have as my context verses 18 and 19. So for the reading uh, of God's Word, I want to take you here because it it gives us uh, the focus of the actual Scripture first. I always like to lay down the scripture I'll be talking about, the very first thing. Uh, so here we go. The Word of God reads, beginning in chapter 11, verse 18. And the nations were enraged, and thy wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to give their reward to thy bondservants, thy prophets, and to the saints, and to those who fear thy name the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God which is in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake, a great hailstorm. You know, I think it's pretty obvious as we go through this that the message of this seventh trumpet, which we have been waiting since chapter 8 to see, Because that's where the trumpet judgments began. It is a message that everybody in this world needs to hear. Everybody. And that message is that Jesus Christ is sovereign. And he reigns. And he's going to take the petty rule and authority of men and and of kings and presidents and world leaders. And he's going to take the rule right out of their hands. And he's going to become king of kings and lord of lords. What a tremendous message that is for the world today. Of course, you and I know that's not a message that would be received, believed, or even considered. But the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign. He is the one who has the right to rule the earth. And someday, yet future, it will be his to take back and to rule. There is coming a moment when that happens. And it will be a moment of final judgment. That judgment will have two parts, as this text and this Uh, context shows, number one, the judgment of of the godly will take place. It will take them into blessings and a kingdom, into an eternal new heaven and new earth. And then the judgment of the ungodly will be to send them into hell forever and ever. Terrible ending. Terrible to even face that and to look at that. But this is such a monumental truth. And it, it just it staggers me and, and baffles me that people can be so indifferent to it. People talk as in the world as if there's no really, there's no really afterlife. There's nothing that's going to really change. That the world is going to continue on like it always has. You see, people act. I think today as though God doesn't matter, as though Jesus Christ doesn't matter as though real solid truth of his word doesn't matter. But you and I know that the word of God is so crystal clear about what's going to happen, it's confusing for us to think, how could the people in the world refuse to hear this, refuse to believe this? But they do. You see, the world's not going to consider Christ. The world's not going to consider God. That is the world of unbelievers. Can't say the world, meaning everyone, because we as Christians are here. And we do. It does matter to us. God does matter. Jesus does matter. He has given us new life. He has given us a hope of things to come. You see, Peter talks about this so much, as in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11, he, he, he puts in light of all of these things that's going to Uh, that the Bible speaks of so clearly about end times. In light of all this, it simply says, what manner of persons ought we to be? Paul puts it like this. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You see, human history is going somewhere. And it's not conditional upon what you think or what you might believe. It's conditional upon what God's plan is for the ages. And history is taking us right there. Let me tell you something. It's right on schedule. It's going to happen. It won't be a split second late. This was brought to my mind yesterday. as I was getting ready to eat with my wife here in the kitchen here in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And suddenly I heard a loud boom. The whole house shook. Well, it scared me. I did not know what that was. Out of nowhere, the shaking of the house. There was not a thunderstorm outside. Uh, the sun was shining, and uh, yet this happened. So I said, I had looked at my wife and said, "What was that?" And she felt it. She didn't know. She said, "I don't know." So I run outside, looking, hope, thinking I'm going to see something. Don't know what I thought I was going to see, but some noise or a shaking of the house. So. Tremendous, like that. You you think you're going to see something? I mean, it takes a lot to shake a house. So I go out and uh, my I call my son who's in uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina, and he begins to check around on the internet, on Twitter, and all this stuff. And he says, "Dad, it was a uh, it was an earthquake." Uh, it, it, man the 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 uh, internet now is popping with people that felt what you just felt. They're talking about it. it. Was not too far from from uh, from where you are, the uh, the epicenter or where it hit. It was about a two point. I think he said two point four or two point five earthquake. I said, "Wow, that is amazing." I, I've never actually felt an earthquake, but this passage of scripture that I'm in today, and the reason I'm even bringing this up, is it's like God just gave me a living example of of. of just the suddenness and the the fearfulness that the people of the world are going to face when these events, that many of them are cataclysmic events, are going to happen. And uh, it's going to frighten people and scare them. And so what, what I'm looking at here in this passage is something that, that's frightening, thinking if I were to be living at that time, what would I be thinking? What would I be doing? How would I be handling the situation. Well, when we come to the seventh trumpet blowing, as verse 15 says, the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven. This is the reaction of heaven. This trumpet is sounded. We get a general description of what's going to happen. And it said the details are reserved for us and we have to wait to chapter 15 to get it. But chapter 11 is still here. Chapter 11 is something to, to, to be able to, we, we have the privilege of reading it and understanding it. But we get the idea of what's going to happen, and the first thing that happens is a reaction in heaven to the seventh angel blowing his trumpet. And uh, we, 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 we've already looked at this in two different times. Now, the reality of, of what this is in this blowing of the seventh trumpet isn't going to happen again until uh, chapter—we don't see what the actual results of the of what's on earth until chapter 15 but for now we're going to see the reaction of heaven and it speaks as though something is already beginning to happen uh, clearly as it is presented to us it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever and then we hear voices in heaven and they're saying the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fall on their faces and worship God saying we give thanks We give thee thanks, O Lord, the Almighty, who art, who was, because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. Well, but earthwise he hasn't begun to reign. Earthwise, Satan is winding down through the Antichrist, his reign of the earth. Tremendous times upon the earth that are very frightening for people. But you must notice in verse 15 of chapter 11 of Revelation, he will reign forever and ever. That sweeps you through the thousand years. All of this is future as we read it here. And even when they're going through it on earth, as that seventh angel sounds, I don't know. We, we're we not really sure whether the earth hears these trumpets blast. But the heavens responding. The earth doesn't know what heaven's re- re- doing. The earth doesn't hear the 24 elders fall on their faces and worship God. The elders... Uh, are, are doing this in, in, in conjunction with the angelic beings in heaven. Man, there is there is a declaration of joy in heaven. And it's amazing. But the earth doesn't hear this. The earth doesn't hear verse 17, We give thee thanks, O Lord the Almighty, because you've begun to reign with great power. No, the earth, the only thing they know is that that this one world ruler is still in control. Boy, it's an amazing time. It's such a contrast to see this going on like we've seen it. And this gets more and more exact as to what's happening here. And John is is recording all of this for us. then why did he record this for us? Well, he was told to record this so that we might have this as a reading. In fact, Revelation chapter 1, does it not tell us that we're blessed to be able to read and obey and listen and heed to the things that are written in this book? And so you you get to this, and and verse 17 is is an amazing verse for me. Because that's what's happening in heaven. But boy, it is far from what's happening on earth. This worldwide operation of Satan is now totally in the hands of the Antichrist. And it's it's being torn apart at this point of where the timeline would be on earth. But the people on earth don't yet understand that. Verse 17 is very important. Uh, it says that God has begun to, to, to reign. Again, it's spoken of as though it's already happened, and though it, yet it won't happen completely until chapter 20. The affirmation and the absolute sureness of this, which is afforded to us by the Greek language, it's speaking as though it's already happening in the present tense. But technically, it's not in the present tense from earth's perspective. At the same time, I want you to notice something. At the same time as the praise in heaven, at the same time as the the scriptures through the uh, beautiful language of the Greek is affording us this privilege to know that it is as certain as it is in front of you right now. He is beginning to reign. And boy, the heaven is busting out in joy and jubilation. But look at verse 18. This is at the same moment. It says, The nations were enraged, and thy wrath came. And the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to give their reward to, to thy bond service, the prophets, and to the saints, and to those who fear thy name, and the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. The nations enraged. We mentioned this just briefly last time in closing. The nations are enraged. And this particular word, enraged, is a, is a very interesting word. Of course, I can understand this because of what I already know about Revelation. But that word enraged there is a term uh, chosen uh, by the Lord in Greek to mean a defiant rage. Not just a terror, not just a fear that we saw in Revelation chapter 6. Let me read Revelation chapter 6 for you in verse 17 for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand that's a that's a terror that's a fear but this word in revelation 11:18 means absolute rage it is a defiant rage or absolute rage it's man they're angry you could say they are completely filled with hostility and it's obvious because over In chapter 16, which if you were to look at the timeline of this, it's talking about Revelation chapter 16. And in Revelation chapter 16, it's the final seven bowls of judgment. And we're going to see something when we get over there. We'll take a look at it again when we get there. But you see something in Revelation 16, 14. You see that their spirits are performing signs which go to all the kings of the whole earth to gather them together to incite them is what it's saying. They're 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 bringing the the world leaders, the nations together to fight against something. We're not told yet what it is. But boy, in Revelation chapter uh, 16, we're we're seeing this. And look look at down in verse 19 if you happen to be turning and if not just listen. In Revelation 16:19 it says this uh, Well, not 19, in Revelation 16 11 and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of the pains and their sores they did not repent of their deeds. This is the nations. Man they they are at a point where they're they're angry and they're being incited by demons that are over nations and countries and leaders bringing them together, and then we see, and in, in now in verse 19 of chapter 16, that it, it is a, a fearful thing to see in, in, in this, the nations gathered together in a place which is called Armageddon. So we're looking at a picture of Armageddon, and then in verse 19 it says, And the great city was split into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell, and Babylon the Great was remembered before God to give her the cup of wine of her fierce wrath. Man, there will be an expression of this later, too. And we're going to take a look at that when we get over there. But what you have here back in chapter 11, in verse 18, is the rage of the world. Now mark this. We've been going through the book of Revelation. We've been seeing uh, people of the world getting more and more hostile. Uh, they don't respond to Christ by now. Their hostility has escalated to a fever pitch, and now they're not willing to re- not only willing to reject Christ, not consider him at all. No matter what judgments happen, no matter what's coming, now they want to curse him, according to Revelation sixteen eleven. And not only do they want to curse him, but now they want to fight him and destroy him. Well, isn't that interesting? A God they don't even believe in. They reject totally, yet they want to fight him. Does that make sense? Man, it is a a, a crazy thing. They want to fight him and destroy him whom they don't even believe. I believe they've reached a point where we could safely say they are beyond the hour of grace. Man, they're beyond salvation. There will be no salvation offered at Armageddon, I don't believe. I don't think so. Not according to Revelation chapter 16. Man, you see this coming together and you, you begin to realize when this seventh trumpet blows, the furies are pouring out. We see them blaspheming God, hating God, gathering their armies to fight the coming Christ in the last ditch effort effort to destroy the one who has a right to the rule of the world. Man, what an amazing thing to see. And then it happens in chapter 19. Verse nineteen says the beast and the kings of the earth their armies assemble to make war against Christ, but they are destroyed. They are devastated. It's Quite an interesting, look, isn't it? You see, in sixteen eleven, man, they hate God. Revelation sixteen eleven. So while you have on the one hand praise for the sovereignty of God because He's beginning to take His power and to rule the earth you have a great hostility in the reality of the timeline on earth is still brewing against the one who has just been given back the right to rule. In the face of judgment, it is a fearsome thing. It is tragic to see here is a world that has felt God's judgment and they have felt it does them no good. They will not repent. But instead, they've wasted opportunities to repent. They've wasted opportunities to turn to Christ. And they've refused to accept Him. They refuse to believe Him. They refuse to to take the choice for Christ in the wake of impending disaster. And as a result, their hearts are totally hardened. Just like Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And then it finally, I think it says that uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So, very interesting time. Actually, verse 18 is a, is almost like a, a summary statement of all that is coming. We we see that there is a judgment coming. I don't want to get bogged down in in all of this, but to just show you a few things in verse 18 and 19 for the... Uh, rest of this time I don't have a lot of time but verse 18 says and thy wrath came speaking of the past and so when this is looking at the present of his rule the timeline for the heaven he's began to rule so the things on earth would be past so it's past tense uh, that in fact when you, when you see this the nations were enraged and thy wrath came past tense the time came for the dead to be judged so this is looking at something that's uh, incredible. The time came. And, and in fact, we, we see pictures of there's 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 so many verses of Scripture. Isaiah talks about this. Isaiah chapter 24 talks about this exact moment. Isaiah 26, 20 uh, talks about this moment. And Isaiah chapter 30 talks about this moment. Uh, and, and you can go on from chapter 30 all the way through three or four different other chapters. Ezekiel 38 talks about this. The the devastating judgment to enter into the kingdom uh, just before that. It, it is an amazing thing. Ezekiel 38 is a good picture. And of course some put this as uh, a war of Gog and Magog at, at the end of the tribulation period. Some put it at the end of the millennium. But either way you look at it. I happen to believe it's going to be at the end of the tribulation. There's a great day of fury coming. Peter even jumps to that and talks about that, as I've already mentioned. That day of judgment is described further as a day of blazing wrath, a time of great earthquake. Man, a terrible time is coming. And we see this with sword. Every man will be fighting against his brother. People are going to destroy each other. Pestilence, blood, and man, it's, it's a, just a frightening time on earth. You see, you come to Revelation chapter 11 and we're coming to this great event. The prophet saw. The people knew this. The people knew that these events were coming. But they just couldn't put a time to it. They didn't understand when or actually how is all of this actually going to happen. And we're reading this with even more revelation from God. And our world just re- refuses to believe it. Man, Psalm three, verse chapter, uh, Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm three, verse seven. It's hard to get that out. You read that sometime, or Psalm seven, verse six. Listen to what that says. Lift up thyself against the rage of my adversaries. Thou hast appointed judgment. And then he says, "Let it happen." So we see, indeed, Revelation eleven eighteen will take place. The nations again will be enraged, and thy wrath will come. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the nations being enraged just before Armageddon. And then Armageddon happens and your wrath came. Boy, it did come. And then he talks about something else here. Time here doesn't mean clock time, by the way. When it says, uh, thy wrath came and the time came for the dead to be judged. It's not clock time. It means the event comes. It means the event of this, the event of that has come. The dead are to be judged, and that's probably just a general statement, probably covering all of the judgments that are going to take place, both of the righteous dead and the unrighteous dead. But when the time comes for the dead to be judged, it will be split into two parts. There will be the the uh, ungodly and, and the godly. And some people think this is actually the sheep and goat judgment of Matthew chapter 25 or Daniel chapter 12. We don't really know which one it is. But it could be either one. So the kingdom is, is going to be after these things happen. And it's going to be an amazing thing. So the kingdom will be made up of exalted saints from the church. Those who have died during your tribulation. Those who have died and have been dead. Their bodies in the grave since the Old Testament times. Their spirits, of course, all of them with the Lord. There will be a resurrection, Daniel described in Daniel chapter 12. Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, will be raised to join the church saints, already raised at the rapture. Together we'll come down and we're going to inhabit this kingdom. We're going to have our glorified bodies. Boy, wait till I get to the kingdom discussion. It's just, it's, I can't, it's almost like I want to jump to it now and talk about it. But together we're going to reign in the kingdom. Yes, that certainly will take place. There will also be the entry into the kingdom of those sheep at the sheep-goat judgment who are going to live through the tribulation period, surviving it, and go right straight into the kingdom as believers, only believers. No unbelievers are going to make it. There's going to be a marriage supper that's already taken place. And you, you see these, so the seventh angel blows, heaven praises and earth begins to panic. Man, earth, earth's not praising. Earth is panicking. The plan of judgment unfolds and it's a time for the dead to be judged after the nations are enraged, after Christ comes back. The righteous dead will be glorified and taken into the kingdom with the returning Christ. The unrighteous dead will be uh, judged and sent directly to hell. They will be destroyed, as it says in verse 18. But first of all, we get to this destruction aspect from the first side of it. Rewards are going out to the bond services, to the prophets. Uh, he says the reward is with him to give every man. We we know this is coming. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 8 talks about this. Matthew chapter 25 talks about this. Well, who are the bondservants and the prophets? Some would say Old Testament prophets. Some would say New Testament prophets. I think it's all of them. All the prophets will be rewarded. Even these two in chapter 11 at the first part of the chapter are going to be rewarded. But the phrase bondservants and prophets is very familiar Old Testament phrase. Daniel chapter uh, Daniel talks about it kings talks about it the bondservants the prophets simply refer to any and to all who have proclaimed the truth of God throughout redemptive history all who have prophesied the kingdom whether during the Old Testament time or New Testament time or the tribulation the time of great tribulation from Moses all the way through these two witnesses in chapter 11 or the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 man it, can, it will include to all these. All who proclaim the coming Christ and the kingdom. All who receive their reward is who this is talking about. And then he mentions in, in chapter 11 of Revelation, verse 18, uh, not just bondservants and prophets, but it, it says saints. And to those who fear thy name, saints, even those who fear his name. Saints are none other than those who do fear his name. So the saints is a common Old Testament title for redeemed people guess what it's a common new testament title a title for redeemed people so one so one is the the one these are the ones who simply fear the name of the lord it's simply saying to us that all saints whether they're alive or going to the kingdom as sheep or whether they've already died and their their bodies have been in the grave I believe it's all saints. All of the saints are the holy ones. All who have been made righteous by the grace of God receive their reward. All of them, every single one of them. And so we we find this test, this this phraseology. And then he look at what he does. He moves from that, and then he from saints into those who uh, fear the name of the Lord, small and great. But look at what he says: and to destroy those who destroy the earth. Well, what's who is that? this is not talking about the uh, climate change people. Uh, this This is talking about something else. This is talking about unbelievers. Verse 18 says to destroy those who destroy the earth. That is a characterization of unbelievers. Unbelievers, not an attack on those who mess up the environment. It's a statement about unbelievers. All of the evil people who are part of the satanic system which is destroying the earth, all of those who are a part of the Antichrist kingdom, all of those who followed the false prophet, all who have polluted the world, not with trash, cups, and straws, but with sin, with a, with a fog of, of iniquity, those who are rejectors of God in every age, that's who he's talking about. That's who he's looking at. And then verse 19. I know I'm not doing uh, these verses uh, a lot of justice by going through them so fast. But you could spend all day in verse 18. uh, All day. Uh, Literally every hour of the day talking about this. Looking and breaking apart this. Because you have unbelievers and you have believers. Believers being rewarded. And then you have the temple of God in verse 18, or verse 19. The temple of God which is in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. Look at that. Now this is simply a way of saying, the covenant which God has promised to men is now available, I think, in its fullest. In other words, the temple is open is what he's saying. The Ark of the Covenant is there. And in the midst of all the judgment, God is throwing open, as it were, the Holy of Holies and drawing his people in. The temple of God is the sanctuary. The temple of God speaks of his presence, his throne, the place where he dwells. We saw that, didn't we, in chapter 4. It's just an incredible thing. But you know what? When you go through Revelation... There's a lot of phrases of different kinds, but one that's particularly noteworthy here is that it says, The covenant speaks of God's promise to have an eternal communion with the redeemed, a covenant where the blood was poured out to atone for men's sins. The ark corresponds to the rewarding of the faithful, even those, even though it also shows here the pouring out of God's wrath. By the way, it's just a a, a little footnote. There's a lot of openings. Let me give you an example of that. Chapter 11, the temple of, of God here is opened. Chapter 15, the tabernacle of the testimony is opened. In chapter 19, it says heaven is opened. In chapter 20, the books of judgment are opened. And here, this great unveiling, the great apocalypse, this great series of openings, we've already seen. The throne, we see here, not only the throne of God, but the Ark of the Covenant, the place where God made the covenant with his people, where God made promise, where God said, uh, you sprinkled the blood and the sin is covered, and you have fellowship with me. The earthly temple, you remember, was opened only once a year. But this is now saying it's opened. So if you go and look at this, uh, it, it is an incredible thing, that covenant, that God has promised is open for us and we've been introduced to this and this seventh trumpet there is a scene of praise a scene of hostility a scene of judgment a scene of covenant all of this will unfold in the second half of this tremendous tremendous book of Revelation well for now I think I'm going to have to end that this is William Rogers bringing another message out of the book of Revelation chapter 11 Finishing chapter 11, next time we're going to look and digress back as we go through maybe the, uh, we'll hit some, a lot of 12, chapter 12. But 12, 13, and 14 digresses back and takes you into some of the details of the tribulation period. Thanks for joining me today. I pray that you will remember the only real true hope for your heart is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where your hope lies. Don't ignore the reading of God's Word. Relish the fact that you have a Bible, that you can read it with the freedom of your own home. Anytime you choose, choose to do that today. And I thank you. This is William Rogers thanking you for listening to the message today.